freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, October 9th, 2011, and we have an information-packed show for you here today. We're going to be continuing our ongoing discussion and revelation of natural law on the show here today. We will be wrapping up our analysis on the Aquinas on Liberty essay, which I broke down a bit last week at the end of the show, and also on David Leneff's commentary on it uh, from the Lucid Streams blog. So that's coming up, and then in the later part of the show, I will be breaking down the very crucial distinction between force and violence, an incredibly important topic when it comes to the understanding of natural law and its principles and its effects in our world. So that's coming up on this edition of What on Earth is Happening. Let me give the call-in number at the beginning of the show. If you want to call in, feel free to call in at any time. Never any taboo topics here, but I would ask that the scope of discussion or questions be limited to some form of talking about natural law as we have been doing over the past several weeks and will continue to do until we pretty much cover all of the uh, topics that uh, are really essential to have a firm grasp upon to understand the precarious situation regarding true freedom in this country and indeed throughout the world as it hinges upon an understanding of natural law. So the topic for discussion today is natural law, and if you want to call in and talk about that, the call-in number is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number, 866-841-1065. Very quickly, I'd like to just uh, re-announce a conference that's coming up here in Philadelphia next weekend, and I'll be attending, and uh, I 
don't think that I will be off air next week, you know, to run a rerun. I'll, I'm pretty certain I'll be back here in time to do the show live, but I am going to attend both days of this conference and probably leave a little bit early on Sunday. This is the MUFON PA East Coast Conference, the Mutual UFO Network. October 15th and 16th, that's next Saturday and Sunday, October 15th and 16th, at the Four Points Sheraton, Philadelphia Northeast. That's at 9461 Roosevelt Boulevard here in Philadelphia. The Saturday speakers, Joseph Mara, Linda Moulton Howe, Bill Weber, Bill Burns, and John Ventry. On Sunday, the speakers will be Major Robert O. Dean, George Filer, Dr. Lynn Katai, Jerry Jonas, and Chris Augustine. A great lineup of speakers for both days. Only $35 admission on Saturday and $30 on Sunday. The conference goes from 8.30 to 5 p.m. on Saturday and 9 to 4 on Sunday. Be right back, folks. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcast. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Before the break, I was talking about the MUFON PA East Coast Conference, and uh, that's this coming Saturday and Sunday, October 15th and 16th at the Four Points Sheraton, Philadelphia Northeast. And um, for more information on that great conference, you can go to their website, mainlinemufon.com. You could also go to MUFONPA.com and get more information and uh, get tickets. So um, that's the one announcement I have for today. Um, I want to do a very brief recap um, of the topics that we have been talking about over the past many weeks. And um, you can find some of the images that go along with this talk at my website, whatonearthishappening.com. On the radio show page, just click the radio show tab or the button on the upper left-hand side of the page. And underneath the player there, you'll see images for today's show. And there's 14 images listed there. I'm taking a look at image number two right now. And it is the expressions of natural law. We talked about this many weeks ago. And you can go back in the podcast archive and listen to any of these shows. If you're new a new listener to the show, I highly recommend going back to podcast number one and starting at the very beginning because, as I've said many times, this information that I present here on this radio show is a tapestry and it is uh, set in building block style, I guess you could say, where you can't really build the top floor of a house until you build a firm foundation. Therefore, some of the things that are talked about in later podcasts are more advanced concepts and ideas than the ones that are talked about in earlier ones, or at least the earlier ones are prerequisite knowledge, meaning you really need a firm grasp and understanding of the earlier material in order to have a firm grasp and understanding of the later material. So that having been said, over the last many weeks, we talked about natural law. We talked about what it is. We talked about its uh, principles, the basic principles that underlie natural law. And we looked into those. 
Then we talked about the expressions of natural law, or in other words, how natural law actually works in our lives to create what it is we experience through our choices. So we're actually the ones who are creating the experience, but it is working through the expressions of natural law. And we took a look at the positive and negative expressions of natural law and how our free will decisions based on one of these polarities goes into effect in the world to create what we get. Okay, so it's always functioning, it's always working as it should be working. We're always bound by it as long as we're in the three-dimensional space-time continuum that we call the universe. If we're in this universe, these laws and expressions are in effect and they are always working flawlessly. It is up to us to understand how this functions so we can make better decisions in alignment with these forces. And if we choose expanded consciousness, which I have termed love in the examples I have given, because that's really what love is, true love anyway, we will seek knowledge, specifically knowledge of self, to understand how it is that we actually work. And that will help us to understand the macrocosmic, macrocosmic expression, okay, because that which is Below is like to that which is above. In other words, the microcosm is a reflection of the macrocosm. And to study one is to study the other. So if we know ourselves as fully as possible, we will begin to understand the cosmic forces that are at work in our lives. And then we will begin to really develop true self-respect for both ourselves and others. And that ultimately is having perfect governance over our own thoughts, our own emotions, and our own actions such that we cannot be manipulated by others into doing things that are not moral. This is the state of true sovereignty. And in that state, and only in that state, can we ever really hope to create a world that resembles true freedom in any way, shape, or form. If we do not understand our sovereignty, any effort to build a world that is based in freedom is doomed from the start, okay? Once we do have that knowledge and we do develop that true internal self-respect and unison with the true self, we can then really start building a world that is based on true freedom, which is the absence of external rulership over our free will decisions, no coercion over others. And that is ultimately what creates a world that is based in order, true order, or what we term good, meaning that we are not experiencing self-inflicted suffering, that our, our situation, our state of mind and being is essentially good, and it is ordered. Conversely, if we choose fear, the other force or polarity that is an illusory force that is not anything that is truly real, it is based on false identifications, okay? We will refuse truth, continue down the path of ignorance, develop internal confusion, which results in the attempt to take external control over others or to give up control over our own being 
and mind and decision-making power and free will and hand that to others who are going to use it irresponsibly and immorally. And that's what's going to create a world that is based on evil or pure chaos. And ultimately, that's the path that we have been going down, ladies and gentlemen. Sad to say, but true. And we need to reverse that and transmute the, all of the fears of this world and the people who are experiencing them and continuing to propagate them into higher consciousness. And the only way to do that is through a deep understanding of natural law, its principles, its, its expressions, and its manifestations. Without that, we are navigating blind, as I've said many, many times. That's what we need, a deep understanding of this material. These principles that are simply in effect, whether we like them or not, whether we have understood them in the past or not, whether we believe in them or not, as I've said, belief in any of this is completely irrelevant. That's hard for a lot of people to hear who are very deeply cal in calcified ego, but these laws are in effect in our lives, the end. It's not a matter of accepting it. It's a matter of discovering it. It's about getting out of the mindset of, do I want to even accept this or not? It is what is. It is what is. And I'm not shy about saying that. I know this. I don't think this. This isn't my belief system. I don't have a belief system. I know how this works. And many other people do know how it works as well. It's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of finding out. So... When we come back, I'll briefly review the concepts of right and wrong, knowing our rights, the natural law transgressions, and apophysis on the other side of this break. Be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everyone. And it's true, you can't stop someone that is deeply rooted in truth. The truth is going to conquer this place in one form or another, folks. And take that however you will. It's up to us, ultimately. We want to accept the truth. We can get out of this mess. We want to refuse it and deny it. Nature is going to have its way in one form or another. So let's take a look at one of the other concepts we've been looking at, the difference between right and wrong. And oh, yes, there is a huge difference and there is such a thing. And I've said many times, any of the so-called teachers who are trying to tell people that it's all relative and there is no real difference between right and wrong and it's not about right versus wrong are deceivers. They're new age deceivers, or they're just simply Satanists or dark Luciferians in disguise who are trying to sell that lie. And unfortunately, a lot of people buy that lie. It's called moral relativism, and it's why we're in the mess that we're in. It's why we're heading headlong into a prison cell and the key being thrown away. Okay? 
So right, we saw in connection with the word correct, or in other words, true, based in truth, that which is true. There's a reason that the word right is the same as the word correct, means the same thing. Just like there's a reason that the word wrong and incorrect, it means both immoral and not true. Because if something is not true and you act upon it, it does become something that is immoral when you act with wrong information. You have inwardly formed yourself in the wrong way by taking in wrong ideologies, things that are not based in truth. See, right actions are always based in natural law, meaning that actions that are based in the right never result in harm to other living beings. It's a negative expression, actually. It does not result in harm. And choosing the right is actually about knowing which actions do not result in harm. It's about knowledge of the negative, which as we've looked at is known as apophysis. And I'll briefly review that as well. Wrong actions are, are not based in natural law. They violate the natural law rights of others by resulting in harm to other living beings. This is actually not difficult, folks. We all really have, I shouldn't say all, I should say the vast majority of us have an innate psychological and moral compass in our lives called a, comp, called a conscience where we do know the difference innately between right and wrong actions. We can tell whether we're causing suffering, whether our actions are causing harm to others. It isn't that difficult. People want to lie to themselves and others and say, oh, you can never really know what's right or wrong and, oh, well, you know, what's good for one person might be bad for another. And this is all nonsense. This is all moral relativistic nonsense. You know whether your actions are in harmony with natural law because you know whether they cause suffering or whether they don't cause suffering. And that's what determines whether we have a right to perform those actions or not. It's all justifications that people use. And we're going to talk a lot about people who enact those justifications and try to sell people on those justifications later in the show today. Knowing our rights is about understanding Moreover than anything else, what our rights are not. Which actions are not rights because they cause harm. This is called understanding our rights in the apophatic sense. Through the negative expression. Another concept about knowing our rights that we talked about a few weeks ago was that natural law holds true regardless of population. And we're going to be giving specific examples of this today. Right and wrong is not a function of population. It's a function of consciousness, folks. It has nothing to do with how many people there are in the world. The choice remains the same. Do you choose the right or do you choose the wrong? Through knowing which actions cause harm. That's it. And population has nothing to do with that. Whether there's one other person in the room with you or whether you're taking some form of an action on 7 billion people or 700 quadrillion people, the population is meaningless. The act remains the same. 
When in doubt as to whether an action is or is not in harmony with natural law, the best case scenario, the best thing to do is to visualize whether you can take that action where there's only one other person present. And we're going to be giving an example of that today, or maybe a couple of examples of it. Okay? So, we took a look at the natural law transgressions, or which actions do result in harm. There's four basic ones, murder, rape, theft, and trespass. And we talked about a few weeks back about how they all ultimately are a derivation of one ultimate natural law trespass, which is theft, taking something which is not yours to take. In the case of murder, it's a life. In the case of rape, it's someone's sexual right to exercise their own sexuality and sexual expressions in the way they see fit. In the case of theft, it's taking someone else's properties. And in the case of trespass, it's taking someone else's security in their, in their lair. So it's all ultimately about theft, about knowing what is yours, what you have the right to own, and knowing what you do not have the right to take. And it's very sad that most people in the world, the vast majority of the human population, have no idea about what is truly their own and what they do not have the right to take from others. It's a a quite sad situation. One of the tools for really understanding this that I've attempted to put into the hands of listeners of this show is the concept of apophysis, which is a method of reasoning, of coming to the truth, okay, by eliminating the negatives, okay? When you're given a limited set of possibilities, it's a way to arrive at knowledge by exclusion or saying this definitely is not what I'm talking about. This is not one of our rights. This is not right action. And eliminating those things and what remains is the truth. What remains is one of your rights. What remains is action that you do have a moral right to take. So we need to look at the negative, not deny it and brush it aside and put our, our hands over our eyes and ears like members of the New Age movement do when it comes to talking about anything that's negative. We need to embrace the negative, look at the darkness. That's how we understand the shadow side of the self the shadow side of the collective consciousness as well, which doesn't really have a conscience, which acts in completely immoral ways through groupthink. We need to understand how that psychological dynamic works. But sadly, most people run in the exact opposite direction from that because they don't want the responsibility of true knowledge. They want to claim ignorance. Well, I don't know, so that's not my fault. It's called abdication, folks. And it's why we're in the situation we're in. We'll be right back after these messages.
Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. That's all the review I'm going to do of topics we've already covered. I want to take a look deeper into the Aquinas on Liberty essay that we read last week and go over a few points and specifically analyze some of the commentary that uh, Dave Leneff put forward on the essay on his um, Lucid Streams blog. Uh, these uh, links to these documents and, uh, and, the, and the blog can be found on the last podcast that I did, which was podcast number 79 on the What on Earth is Happening uh, podcast page at whatonearthishappening.com. So um, before we do that, uh, we have a caller on the line, so let's go to the phones. Mike in New York, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. What do you have for us here today? Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, no problem. Um, I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna try and uh, relate what's going on uh, with the um, the protests uh, in New York to uh, natural law. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, the night I've been in the city in and out uh, throughout the past couple weeks, and most of the people, depending on where you stand, you're gonna get a different answer. Um, that says to me uh, two things. Um, one, there's a lot of confusion, and two, uh, uh, the base root of the problem is is the ignorance. That's right. Now, we, uh, the uh, New York educational school system is is one of the worst in the country. Um, so that that's definitely a, a big, long going problem that's that's plagued our state for a while. Um, and because of this, the what, what erupts into chaos um, is perfect for you know the New York police, the powers that that are trying to control this to be able to control it. Um, and it's because that the, the people there that, that have, that put up the website that, that are organizing these things, uh, not, nothing on their website, not, not one thing, uh, describes natural law or has, um, any, any of its solutions based in, in, in natural law. So the only outcome you're ever going to get from this is chaos control. And then <laughs> eventually, the uh, destruction of it. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I, I'm urging people. I've been I've been out there trying to just talk natural law and just tell them to look up the word, um, handing out whatever I can print out on my my work uh, printer and hand out to people. Right. Um, but I feel like again, it's, it's people are, are the more more you try and tell them, the further they run from the truth, I feel. And it's, and it's this, this, this defense mechanism that's been installed, uh, I think, in, in, in the mass majority of minds. Mike, it means they so, might have um, to convert themselves into an actual psychological adult. And they want to remain perpetual children. Most of them, anyway. I don't want to blanket statement this and say that's all, because there are some people who are mm-hmm. there who probably do have a firm understanding of these principles. But I would suggest yeah. that they're probably the vast minority. And as you said, ignorance is rampant within the the entire world, and specifically in you know uh, communities in inner cities and you know in in mass metropolitan cities where they, we have horrible forms of public education that amount to nothing but indoctrination. So. The ignorance abounds, and uh, until people uh, realize that it's a matter of increasing consciousness and understanding the the um, the choices that we make, and understanding how they need to be rooted in natural law, I have to agree that we're not going to make much progress in a state of ignorance. You know, you're right, and it, it, it's just about 
you know, if, if people realize that they're 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 protesting out there, they're 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 protesting for things that they don't actually have, and they're not understanding the things that they actually do have in terms of uh, freedoms and 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 things like that. And I feel that you know it, it you know a lot of people are asking for a handout, and that's not the way uh, life works. Because uh, when you work against natural law, uh, it, well, when you work with uh, harmony and nature and natural law, you then you then are able to to command it, so to speak, uh, or then able to to control it, and then have a positive outcome, the outcome that we all want, you know, initially in our hearts, but are are, are really working towards the opposite. Absolutely, and you know, it's not to say that the corporations aren't doing things that are completely immoral and in most cases really do need to be stopped from the things that they're doing like lobbying government and then basically having government enact their laws in order to control the populations to get them to do what the corporations see as beneficial to them. This definitely goes on so that things like that shouldn't be ignored and I understand why it creates the anger that it does in the population because I experience the same emotions when I see what a lot of these corporations are doing. But the answer certainly isn't to swing to the opposite side of a low vibratory form of consciousness known as socialism. You know, This is just the exact opposite of capitalism on what you can call the real political spectrum, which is a function of consciousness. And this is maybe a graphic. I haven't included it on the website here today, but since we're talking about this and the, uh, the situation in New York and other cities around the country, uh, I'll perhaps post this uh, graph that I made about uh, the forms of government as a, fu a function or an expression of human consciousness, and that'll help people to really understand how that dynamic works. Uh, it's not about going to the opposite wing of unconsciousness. It's about going upward in consciousness to get to less forms of control, of coercion, of violence, which is what we're going to talk about here today in the second part of the show, force versus violence. It's about expanding the force of our own consciousness and setting down ways of acting that are really, truly violent, a violation of other people's natural law rights, which is what we see as the response everywhere whenever people gather and assemble to address, have their grievances addressed, and then we see acts of violence or violation of their natural law rights done by the very people who have sworn oaths to protect their rights under the Constitution. And that's exactly what's going on. It's it's to keep people polarized. It's the this extreme versus that extreme. It's never finding balance and and center within yourself. Because if you control yourself, if you rule yourself, if you claim your own sovereignty, then there's no company out there. There's 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 nothing. Nobody's ever take can take away from you because you have it all, and they can't they can't get in, they can't get to it. It's more about what we need to stop doing. We need to stop supporting these companies that we feel are acting immorally. We need to stop participating with government. We need to stop asking government for any services. In other words, it's about growing up and becoming a big boy and a big girl and actually doing things for ourselves, self-reliance. And this is what most of these people don't understand. They want someone to take care of them from cradle to grave. They don't want to take care of themselves. And it isn't about saying that you can't help other people or help to take care of everyone. We have to, I agree with, we need to be our own stewards. We need to basically 
um, guide and simultaneously shepherd ourselves. That's what it's about doing. It's about developing true care for your fellow man, doing unto others as you would have done, but th not through, through the initiation of violence, not through enacting laws that are based in coercion and taking from other people what we feel we have the right to take. That's never going to accomplish or solve anything. We're going to talk about taxation right. in the second part of the show as well. And we're going to talk about how these uh, police and military uh, are constantly treading all over the inherent natural law rights of other people and how that needs to stop. So, Mike, phenomenal points. I mean, this is a, a, a great understanding of the dynamic. And uh, I always uh, like to hear callers who really, really grasp, uh, you know, what the, this dynamic is and have a firm handle on what really needs to be done. So I appreciate the call. Thank you, Mark. You have a great show. You got it. Take care. It is what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. It's more about stopping things that we're already doing than it is starting to do new things. You know, that's the apophatic sense of, of the solution that needs to be enacted. It's about really stopping actions instead of creating new ones. It's more about that than it is the creation of new action. I know that's another hard thing for people to grasp who always want to say it's never about looking at the negative. Yeah, I agree. Set up new systems that are, pow uh, that are empowering and that are um, you know, sustainable and that really do keep natural law in mind. Wonderful. But if we try to continue to do some of the immoral things that we're doing, I mean, as individuals and in group think institutions where people think that they can be a member of this institution with no conscience that is based on violence and somehow they're magically going to transmute that into something that's good and in harmony with natural law. It's a pipe dream, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pipe dream. It doesn't work that way. It never has worked that way and it never will work that way. We need to stop doing things that are in violation of natural law. We're going to talk about that distinction of force versus violence coming up in the second hour. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. The show is live every Sunday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 4 to 6 p.m. Central here on Oracle Broadcasting. What I want to do now is shift uh, back to something we covered last week, which was the great essay on natural law by a gentleman calling himself Aquinas which is an internet handle, uh, no relation to Thomas Aquinas, the uh, Christian philosopher, um, perhaps maybe taking the handle from uh, Thomas Aquinas, who knows? Uh, I know Thomas Aquinas did write on natural law, so it's quite possible. But uh, he wrote this essay called On Liberty, okay? And... 
I covered it back in an early podcast and uh, did so again in this natural law uh, section of the radio show. And I covered as well uh, a commentator um, on this essay named David Leneff, who uh, posted this to his uh, blog site called Lucid Streams at lucidstreams.com. And uh, the link is there in the last podcast, number 79, and I may repost it again this week. But um, I want to just touch upon five uh, things that I think are critically important in this essay and on uh, Leneff's commentary on the essay, and then I'm going to chime in and make some commentary of my own. In this essay, Aquinas says that true liberty is the highest of natural endowments. Okay, natural, meaning not man-made, and an endowment is a birthright, meaning that liberty is not granted, freedom is never granted, rights are never granted, they are inherent, they are birthrights, we come into the cosmos with them already, okay, they just exist, the creator made them. Man did not make them. You did not make your rights or anyone else's rights. They're based in natural law. And that word itself is based on netter al. Netter meaning God or spirit. All, light. Or you could even look at that as all, the all spirit. The spirit of the light. That's what the word natural actually means in its ancient etymology. So continuing with what Aquinas said in the essay, he says that liberty confers on man this dignity, that he is in the hand of his counsel and has power over his actions. True free will is what Aquinas is talking about here. We ultimately have the power over our own actions. We want to, you know, abdicate responsibility for that all the time. But ultimately, no one must act a certain way. It's always a choice. It's always a choice. And people don't want to hear that. They want to justify. Oh, no, I have children to support. Well, it's still a choice. You don't need to do something immoral because you have children to support. You could do something else. It's a choice. Back to the essay, Aquinas says that on the use that is made of liberty, the highest good and the greatest evil alike depend. Man indeed is free to obey his reason, to seek moral good, and to strive unswervingly after his last end. Yet he is also free in turn to turn, to turn aside to all other things, and in pursuing the empty semblance of good, to disturb rightful order and to fall headlong into the destruction which he has voluntarily chosen. It's a choice. We never don't have a choice. This is nonsense abdication of personal responsibility. It's saying, I don't own my own actions. That's exactly what you do own. You own your own actions. And you can't give them over to somebody else. Try as people may. 
So this is what the law of cause and effect basically states. We need to choose the good and then there will be order and there will be good. And that's a manifestation of our actions. That's why I call it the generative expression or manifestation. He says, uh, Lenef now responding to this part in his commentary says that the creator has given humans the ability to reason and choose. Reason aligned with truth will inevitably lead to liberty. But humans can also choose to ignore reason and to choose less wisely, which will inevitably lead to confusion and chaos. Perfect understanding. I mean, and, and worded beautifully as well. This is the understanding that people as a whole need to arrive at. This is what consciousness is. I don't know any simpler way of putting it. It's more than that. It's more than that, ladies and gentlemen. That's what love is. Love is taking the time to truly understand something like that. So going back to the essay, this is another point that I want to explore. Aquinas says that we the people have been brought low, meaning low in consciousness, and have been rendered soft and vulnerable as the direct result of having imbibed and believed in a false notion of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. We've bought a false notion of freedom, of being given permissions, permits to do things we have the natural law right to do, licensing, being allowed to stay in, in our own property, on our own land, in our own house, because we pay property taxes and we're given the privilege to live in that place by a lord of the land, a landlord who actually owns that land. So Lenef responds to this, and this is really about the part in the essay that Aquinas was talking about, the idea of the pursuit of happiness, the, the phrase, the pursuit of happiness, replacing the phrase, the, the word property. Because property implies oh, true ownership, what we have the right to own and what we do not have the right to take. It's a strong word, property. A lot of people in the New Agey movements or in the movements that are bent toward socialism and inevitably communism, because that's where socialism inevitably leads, want to believe that there's no such thing as property and they're dead wrong. There is such a thing as property. And most above all else, the thing that I own more than anything is my own mind. I own my own thoughts, I own my own emotions, and I own my own actions. I own those things. The sad part is that most people don't own those things. They want to hand them away to other people and say, you represent me or, or you tell me what's best for me. Going back to the essay, or I should say the commentary on the essay by Leneff, he says, ever since I realized that the phrase, quote, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, unquote, was inspired by John Locke's, quote, life, liberty, and property, unquote, I have considered that happiness is far too ambiguous while property is clear and specific. 
This small linguistic departure by the founding fathers may have set the stage for the devolution from our country's original ideals. Happiness is a shallow feeling that does not predicate freedom. Sometimes we must feel pain when we do the right thing. The only part I'd take slight exception to is I wouldn't say all forms of happiness are shallow feelings. Some are based in true happiness. You know, so happiness can be, there can be gradations of happiness and you can have real, true, lasting happiness based on truth and principles. And then you could have uh, ephemeral happiness, you know, just um, uh, hedonistic pleasure or joy, which is fleeting. So I think just saying all happiness is a shallow feeling is a little bit strong, but that's how he chose to word it. But I certainly believe that that's not what predicates freedom. I agree with him wholeheartedly that sometimes to have freedom, we have to do what in the moment may be painful, to do in the long term what is right. Think about that, folks. Think about it deeply. Perfect time to take a break. We'll continue with this on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. If you go up to that site on the radio show page, there are a series of images posted as links that you can follow the concepts that are being discussed on today's show. And uh, I apologize, somebody in the chat room uh, mentioned I wasn't giving the numbers of the uh, the slides as I went, so I'll try to be better about that. We've basically taken a look at the first seven images up there, um, taking a look at the Aquinas on Liberty essay um, and David Leneff's commentary on this essay, and I wanted to hit upon five basic points on that, and we covered a couple of them already. Um, I w- want to move right now to the third point that Aquinas states in the essay that freedom of choice is therefore the essential property of the human will. And this is a critical idea that we've talked about many times on the show. But the will cannot proceed to act until it is enlightened by intellectual knowledge. And, And this is the role of knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. Again, a lot of New Agers or, you know, apologists out there don't want to think or acknowledge that knowledge itself is of critical importance. It is about what we know. You know, and this comes down to saying no. You know, it, it's not a coincidence that the word no, K-N-O-W, and the word no, N-O, are said, spoken from the mouth, the vibratory um, essence of those words are the same when we speak them in the English language. That's not a coincidence. Because those who don't have any knowledge, in other words, who don't know, 
who and what they really are, who don't know what the truth is, who don't know what the right is, will never say no to an oppressor. It's all about saying no. This is what I keep coming back to. The, the New Age movement, I know I keep really strongly attacking it in a lot of the recent shows because I can't tell you how much it ignores natural law. And you, you'll never hear any of these concepts brought up in New Age mumbo-jumbo that's out there. Certainly not with any depth. They'll talk about, you know, striving to do the right thing, but they'll never give you the breakdown of natural law expressions. They'll never really talk about um, the, the fact that more and more and more chaos will be created in the world the more people do not understand how natural law functions. They'll never give you that little gem of knowledge that is basically the most important thing to understand if we want to correct the ills of the world. Because the, to them, it's, it's about always ignoring the negative. And I'm telling you, the exp exploration of the negative is the most important thing to do, to understand what's wrong. That's what a diagnosis is. When you recognize there's a problem, you've got to get to the cause. Forget the effect. The effect is, is the symptom. You've got to get down to the cause of the problem. And ultimately, that's what all of this exploration into natural law is about. It's about stopping, stop focusing and, and um, basically being completely trapped in the effect that you're seeing and rising up above that to get to the world of causality. We need to understand the root causal factors of what has created these conditions. And that's what I told people here on day one on this radio show, in the very first podcast, what this whole show was going to be about. So that's what we're really exploring, folks. This is all about the law of cause and effect. We'll continue with Aquinas' essay and Lenef's commentary on it on the other side. We'll be right back. When he looks at it with his eyes, it's what we see. When he looks at it with the sunglasses, he's seeing the same things all the way through. The subliminal symbolic that you couldn't see. Obey, no independent thought, no think to yourself. I wear my sunglasses at night so I can so Asleep, that's where they want to keep us. And the understanding of natural law, its principles, its expressions, how it works in our lives is indispensable to the work of awakening. We need to get past the symptoms and look at the causal factors. And that's what we're doing. That's what the understanding of natural law is. It's one and the same with the law of cause and effect. So let's go back to Aquinas' essay and wrap up some of these points. He says that freedom of choice is an essential property of the will, but the will cannot act, cannot, cannot proceed to act until it is enlightened by knowledge. Thus, in all voluntary acts, choice is subsequent to an intellectual judgment that something is good or desirable. 
Leneff responds to this by saying, our gift of will is tied to rational thought. Or in other words, what he's saying here is that our thought is really the ultimate creator of the world in which we live. If we want to change the world in which we live, we need to change our mind. That's what needs to be transmuted. And the world remains the way that it is because not enough people's minds have been transmuted into the opposite polarity. They're still dwelling with their thoughts in fear rather than in higher consciousness or love. And they're still ignoring this law of cause and effect, which is based in natural law. Back to Leneff's commentary, he says, we use reason to judge the options before us, and then we choose, resulting in action. Every voluntary act is an expression of our ability to choose rightly. But we always choose based on our evaluation of what will result in the most good. Our thought processes can fail to deliver the good. We may believe instead of reason holding close those institutions of security that contradict fundamental moral truths. And I'll, I'll chime in here and say this is exactly what the banking institutions are. This is exactly what the military institutions are. This is exactly what the police institution is all about. People who believe that they're involved for the good. It doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what is. Is this something that is in harmony with natural law principles and therefore is going to create order? Or are the actions, since they are based in group think, group mind, which does not have conscience, only an individual is truly endowed with a conscience. Is it going to be creating disorder, disharmony, and ultimately chaos and evil in the world? And that's the level of mind control that these people in these institutions need to get out of so that they stop taking the actions that they're taking. That's where the dynamic is going to fundamentally shift and become geared toward true freedom. Nowhere else. As long as those people still believe in that nonsense and keep doing what they're doing, the world's never going to be free. And that's a hard, bitter pill to swallow for 90% or more of the people of this planet. But that's the truth. Back to Leneff's commentary, he says, We may believe instead of reason, reason, holding close those institutions of security that contradict fundamental moral truths. Or we might think we know based on false information. We're not perfect, but striving to discover and understand that which is true will always keep us pointed in the right direction. Choosing knowledge over ignorance, striving to know the truth, that means you're at least going in the right direction. It's ultimately then it becomes a matter of abandoning attachment, abandoning attachment to former ideas. And saying, you know what, I once thought that was right and that was going to result in good, but now I've seen the error of my ways of thinking that way and I've changed my mind. And you know what that's called? That's called making an apology. And ultimately, it's making an apology to your higher self. We've talked about masonically what that concept of apology means. It's Apollo's G. That's why there's a G in the middle of the compasses and square. It's all about word 
play, puns, green language, etc. And people will deny that and they'll laugh at it and they'll say, oh, you're making connections where none exist. No, that's exactly why that there's a G there. It's about making that apology, the transmutation of mind, of mental energy, which ultimately results in the transformation and transmutation of reality. And that is the light. That knowledge itself is the light of the sun, Apollo, the ancient Greek sun god. It's actually the symbol um, of the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania right here, which is the founding first uh, Masonic Lodge uh, erected here in the United States by founding fathers of this country. Apollo, his face is right on it with the rays of the sun coming out. And sadly, I... I've asked members of that lodge who that is on their seal, and they said they didn't know. And I believe that they were telling me the truth that they didn't know. And it's, it's a sign of how degraded the lodge system is, as we've talked about here when we looked into Freemasonry many weeks back. But going back to the essay, um, Leneff has a perfect interpretation of this, a, a phenomenal understanding that I couldn't have put it that better myself. I, you know, this is why I'm reading this, folks. These guys are even more eloquent than me. I mean, particularly Aquinas, who is a wordsmith and has a way with words, but Leneff understands this perfectly and really can break it down into even simpler terms for people to understand. And I really appreciate that, which is why I'm, I'm reading this and going into an analysis of the essay and commentary. Okay, two more quick points. In all voluntary acts, Aquinas says, choice is subsequent to a judgment upon the truth of the good presented, declaring to which good preference should be given. Because that is the case, it is an, immediate, is a, it is an immutably true principle that human liberty depends entirely on intellectual judgments that conform to reason and the natural law. In other words, what we hold in our mind is what he is saying that then determines how we feel and how we act, thought, emotion, and action. Aquinas says, if a judgment which does not conform to the natural law or to reason, and which is therefore objectively false and immoral, is acted upon by the will, then it is a source of grave disorder in society. Exponentially multiply the number of individual immoral acts and you have a republic that collapses from moral decay in a short period of time. I'll read Leneff's commentary to this on the other side of this break. We're continuing to explore the world of cause and effect and understand that if we're ever going to, a change, to change the effect, to have any hope of doing that, we need to get into the world of causes and understand causality. We'll be right back, folks. We're back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I want to wrap up uh, the analysis of the Aquinas on Liberty essay and Dave Leneff's commentary in this segment. Maybe take a phone call 
and then uh, get into the breakdown of force versus violence in the last couple segments of the show. Lenef responds to the previous um, paragraph that I read by Aquinas by saying that human beings base all choices of action on intellectual evaluation. And those choices are based on what we judge is, quote, best for us at given moments. If a choice is based on fallacious reasoning instead of truth and logic, we are in contradiction with nature and the result will be grave disorder. It is the exponential accumulation of all of the false choices leading to immoral actions that have led to the state of confusion and increasing lack of liberty that we find ourselves in. Once again, a totally correct evaluation of the situation and a great understanding of this natural law principle of cause and effect. People can think they are doing the right thing as, you know, secret police did in Stalinist Russia, as Nazis did in Hitler's Germany, etc. And yet still be causing enormous harm and enormous chaos in the world. Doesn't matter whether they think it's the correct thing. It actually has to be in harmony with truth. And if it's out of harmony with truth, any actions based in it, if it's out of harmony with truth and morality, any actions based in those falsities are going to result in disorder and chaos every time. That's the law of cause and effect. It's how all natural law functions. Aquinas, the, the final thing I want to touch on is what he talks about, about giving into hedonism and living a life of moral relativism, which he concludes the essay with. He says, hedonism or the tyranny of the passions has no place in the well-ordered man or in the well-ordered civilization. Unfortunately, our elitist overlords have long been at dumbing us down to the level of beasts that cannot employ their natu natural rational endowments, but only their carnal lusts. We allowed this to happen because we mistakenly believed the lie they told us, namely that true liberty is the, quote, right to do whatever we want as long as it is not illegal or discoverable. True liberty, true liberty, is an essential property of objective truth and morality. It is the property of truth and morality. Do you understand what that means? He's choosing his words very specifically. True liberty is the property of truth. Meaning only those who are in alignment with truth ever receive that fruit. You can't have liberty without knowing what is true and knowing what is right. Because liberty is granted through natural law. It is the property of truth and morality. Something owns freedom, ultimately, in the cosmic sense. Nature owns it. You can call that God if you want. I'm not uncomfortable with using that term like a lot of people are. Call it whatever you want. It's a higher force that man did not put into the universe. It is pre-existing before man. 
and it is functioning according to laws that we are bound by so long as we are in this universe. And if we're in a harmony with that force of truth and, and morality and good, then we will have freedom. If we act in contradiction and opposition to that force, I don't care what you do, you will never be free. Aquinas continues and says, therefore, there can not, there can be no true liberty in a civilization that enshrines moral relativity. If your mindset is moral relativism and that there is no actual such thing as definitive, objective, right versus wrong, you can never be free. Get as offended about that as you like if you're a believer, if your religion is moral relativism, the thing that holds you back. You can get as offended about that as you like. That's the truth for all eternity in this universe. There will never be any true liberty in a civilization that enshrines moral relativism. And we talked about moral relativism relativism as being the fundamental, fundamental ideology upon which the religion of the elite class is based. Satanism and dark Luciferianism, their fundamental tenet is moral relativism. There's no real such thing as the difference between right and wrong. So if you want to believe that, and accept that into your psychological and moral makeup, you will forever remain a slave. And that's just how it is. Get as offended about it as you like. The next part, David Leneff gives his final commentary on this essay, and he says, what is moral is what is true. Truth is truth. It is what has happened. As I like to put it, it is the actual manifestation of the collapsed wave function of, of all possible choices that collapses upon the, the present moment and forms what we call the actual events of the present moment. The point particle collapse from the wave function that was the past. That's what the truth is. And it only exists in the present moment. There is only the moment of truth, the current moment. There is only the now. The future is not here and has, has not been decided upon yet. There is a tendency toward what will manifest in the future based on the choices being made in the present, yes. But that's always mutable. It's always changeable based on changing our mind and therefore changing our decisions that govern our behaviors. That's what we have to understand the truth as. It is what is. It is what has happened. That's a perfect way of putting it. There can be no shadings of truth, continuing with Leneff's commentary here. No relative orderings of less or more truth. It simply is. To the degree that truth can be known, knowing what is moral action becomes completely unambiguous. So Leneff is saying, do we have a society that is incapable of knowing what the truth is or incapable of knowing what is moral? No, we have an ignorant society, not a nescient one where the truth is on. There is no way of discovering it. It is discoverable. It's everywhere. It's all around us. 
There's so much information in the world and knowledge about this in the world that it's, it's almost laughable, but it's being ignored. Continuing, Leneff says, we have been educated to believe in a lie that morality can be determined and handed down in the laws of man. That, this has led to an idea that what is good is simply what feels good. That is called hedonism. This way of thinking excludes reason and therefore prevents us from connecting with what is true. Because we're constantly just trying to do what feels good. And as he's already stated, sometimes doing the right thing brings some pain, especially in a world full of mind control. This is an artifact of the domination culture, and the extent of our acceptance of that is the extent that we subjugate ourselves and move further away from liberty and closer to slavery. Read this essay and its commentary, folks. Give it to others. They need to understand it now. Was born, a shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand yeah. Quite appropriate, I would say, given what we're about to talk about. One of the most controversial things that you'll ever talk about in a discussion with natural law is the difference, the distinct difference between force and violence. And that's what we're going to get into in this segment. Before I do that, I want to, uh, we've wrapped up the commentary on Aquinas's On Liberty essay. And again, I said before the break, put this into other people's hands. It's not enough for you to know it. Help other people to understand that. And I'd suggest maybe even giving the printout that is up on the site on Podcast 79 uh, with Dave Leneff's commentary because the commentary really illuminates the essay even further. So with that having been said, I'd just like to briefly read a quote from a book on Hermeticism called The Stellar Man by John Baines. This is actually posted uh, with the podcast on podcast number 73. Uh, the book is there for those who want to download it and check it out. And I don't agree with everything that's said in it. I don't agree with everything that is said in Hermeticism either. I'm, I don't subscribe to an ism, ladies and gentlemen. I've already told people I have no one tradition. I consider myself someone who integrates things. I take an integral approach meaning that which is truly resonant with the truth, I take and incorporate into a way of being in the world. I don't subscribe to any one particular thing. I'm not a Kabbalist. I'm not a Freemason in the sense that I, you know, identify with this as the only truth, okay? I'm not a Rosicrucian in that sense, although I would consider myself all of those things. I'm not what I would consult, uh, consider a... Uh, a traditionalist Christian, although I think I embody the esoteric Christian way of being in the world. Okay? I'm not a hermeticist in that respect, while I respect the philosophies of hermetic thought. But there's no one of these things that is the ultimate truth. 
It's about taking pieces from everything and assembling the big picture by being eclectic about the information we take into ourselves. So I want to make that real clear. And hopefully that stops people from continuing to ask, what is your belief system? I don't have a belief system. I'm a truth seeker. I want to understand how the universe really functions. That's it. And you can't do that from studying one thing. You have to study everything. Okay, so with that having been said, Baines says regarding the principle of cause and effect, the principle of cause and effect states every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to the law, capital L, meaning natural law. Chance is only a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. Capital L, natural law. This law teaches us that nothing in the universe happens by chance. Everything has a specific cause. What we call chance is only something where its causes remain unknown. It is not possible that something should exist apart from and beyond the laws. In other words, beyond natural law. As this force would be independent and superior to the universe. Applying the law of rhythm to the law of cause and effect, we could state that the magnitude of an effect is always equivalent to the importance of the cause which generated it. Think about that. The magnitude of the effect. In other words, like an entire species falling into perpetual slavery. Perpetual meaning as long as that planet is going to be there, barring some cosmic event that would come from some astronomical body, like an asteroid or a comet or the sun. And I say that with deliberate, dramatic pause. Okay? Barring that, there could be eternal slavery for this species based on their ignorance of natural law. Okay? The importance of the cause, the knowledge of natural law, or the subsequent ignoral and refusal of it. As we explained in discussing the principle of polarity, there are two basic planes, that of causes, which is the superior plane, and that of effects, which is the lower or inferior plane. And man in his daily life, man in general, he means here, homo sapiens, is aware only of the latter, or in other words, the plane of effects. That's why we're a species that is screaming at a movie screen, sitting in our chair in the movie theater, banging our, our fists against the arms of the chair that we're seated in, screaming with our fists up in the air at the movie screen, which is a projection. Humanity doesn't seem interested in getting up out of their chair, walking to the back of the theater, going into the projection room, which is equivalent to going within oneself and changing one's own mind and changing the film that's being run through the projector and then a new movie would be shown that we might enjoy. Humanity doesn't seem interested in that. 
They want to scream at the screen forever, which is operating on the law, on the plane of effects, and it's never rising to the plane of causality. Finally, Bain says, we live in the world of effects, and only the hermeticist have, has knowledge of the occult causes of events. In other words, the plane of causality. Now, I, I would beg to differ that he says only the hermeticist, maybe one who has come into hermetic knowledge, but that can happen without considering oneself a hermeticist ascribing wholesale to the philosophy of hermeticism. Hermeticism can definitely help with that, as can many other traditions. But it is all about the knowledge of those planes of existence, and that the one is always subordinate to the other, meaning the, the world of effects is always subordinate to the law of causal, causes, the, world, the plane of causality. You have to get to the causal factors in, in order to solve a problem, the end. You're never going to solve a problem by per perpetually looking at the results or the effects or the symptoms. And again, I said, stated this on day one and told you that's what the entire show would be about, trying to get people to that knowledge. So, let's take a couple of calls in this segment. Here we go. Let's go to the phones. Austin in Wyoming, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for taking my call, Mark. Sure. Um, uh, great show today. I'm glad you uh, read that little excerpt out of the Pat Ballion, um <laughs> regarding cause and effect. Uh, if I might, I may just uh, add a little bit more to that. Sure. Uh, this is an excerpt from The Key to Theosophy, and it says, Karma is the law of cause and effect. Again, karma is the ultimate law of the universe source, origin, and fount of all other laws which exist through nature. Karma is the unerring law which adjusts effect to cause on the physical, mental, and spiritual planes of being. As no cause remains without its dual effect, from greatest to least, from a cosmic disturbance down to the movement of your hand, and as like produces like, karma is that unseen and unknown law which adjusts wisely intelligently and equitably each effect to its cause, tracing the latter back to its producer. And uh, I think we can even tie that into another expert out of the Kaibal Leon stating that, uh, having trouble finding it, it says something along the lines of uh, the, the wisdom is closed to those without ears to hear it. That's right. Something along those lines. I think that I think that uh, the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, is always in uh, a cosmic turn. And if you're living within natural law rights, you will have eyes to see where the universe is guiding you through synchro mysticism and through the turning wheel of karma. Whereas if you're living in in uh, you're living against the law of karma, you will still be affected by it, but you won't. What's happening to you as being effective? That's what right. That's exactly right. And that's why it's very difficult to wake people up in that modality of consciousness. Austin, absolutely brilliant points that you brought up. Thanks for uh, your contributions. Thank you for it.
taking my call, Mark. You got it. Some great calls today. Stick around. Last segment coming up on this edition of What on Earth is Happening. We're back, everyone. This is the last segment for this edition of What on Earth is Happening. I had originally planned to delve a little bit deeper into the uh, breakdown of force versus violence here today on the show, but, you know, things unfold organically, and I got into uh, a further analysis of the uh, uh, essay by Aquinas on natural law and the commentary by Dave Leneff on that essay, and uh, we had a couple of really great callers. So instead of trying to rush this information, what I'm going to do is just touch on it a little bit and give the basics, maybe the basic definitions, and then um, we'll uh, basically uh, review that a little bit next week toward the beginning of the show, and then we'll do maybe an entire show on this concept uh, next week on the show. So um, this is, again, what I said was one of the most controversial pieces of knowledge in natural law because we have been mind-controlled into a false definition of the word force and into a false understanding of which actions are violence and which are within our natural law rights because they are a defense against violence. See, the state wants to have us believe that they possess a monopoly on force, on action, basically, that you can't really take any action in defense of yourself and your rights and your freedom yourself, that that's all the state's responsibility, that that's not an inherent right of man, that you have to use their, quote, services and protections, whether you want them or not. Okay, they are actually not a monopoly on force. But moreover than anything else, they pretty much have a monopoly on violence. And if we understand the distinction between these things, it becomes very, very clear what I mean by that statement. Looking at image number eight on the website on what on earth is happening or with this podcast okay, on the radio show page of what on earth is happening or with the pod, posted with the podcast. Image number eight shows a chart of a breakdown and the distinguishment between the concepts of force and violence. So let's give some basic definitions. What is force? And we're using this as a noun, okay? What is force? What is this potential or capacity, okay? Because that's ultimately what force is. It's the ability to do something. Force is the capacity to do work or cause physical change in the world. Force is energy, strength, or active power. It is the male principle the ability to act is what force is. 
anything that we do in the world, we do through this capacity. All actions are force. If you want to build something, you need to exert force or the ability to do work in order to build something. It's the use of will. Now, whether the key thing to keep in mind here is whether it is in harmony with natural law or not. So, force can be abused and turned into violence. Okay, so what is violence? What is the definition of violence? Violence is the immoral use of physical power, which is force. We define force as active power or the capacity or ability, the potential to do work, okay? Having the capacity to do something. Violence, on the other hand, is the immoral use of that force to coerce, compel, or restrain. It is using that capacity in a way that is, in not, that is not in compliance with natural law or the inherent rights of other beings. So we have to understand there's a very, very distinct difference between these two things. And unfortunately, this distinction has been completely blurred or even erased in the modern world. Force, the capacity to do work, to cause physical change. It is the active power of a person. The male principle, the masculine principle, is actually a better way of saying it. Because it has nothing to do with gender or sex. It has to do with the internal active quality of a being. Violence, on the other hand, the immoral use of physical power employed to coerce against one's will, to compel or to restrain. And meaning restrain in the sense that you're stopping someone from, from engaging or using their force in a capacity in which they are allowed to do it. Meaning in a natural law capacity. In compliance with natural law. Restrain, res violent restraint is stopping somebody from doing something that they do have the right to do. Like assemble or speak etc. So, force is voluntary action and it is based in morality and natural law. It does not violate the fundamental natural law rights of other beings. Violence, on the other hand, is the initiation and use of coercive action against free will. In other words, which is not based in morality and natural law. And the, this is, every word is specifically chosen here in these definitions, ladies and gentlemen. Very specifically chosen. Violence is the initiation, meaning it does matter who started it. You know, this is another nonsense thing in the world of statism. You know, anybody react, anybody who actually decides to take physical action against the initiation of violence, it doesn't matter who started it. Well, no, it does matter who started it. That's all that matters. That's all that matters is who started the immoral action. If I'm walking out on the street and someone comes up to me and tries to rob me and punches me in the face, I have every right through whatever amount of force I need to use to put down that attack. 
because they began the immoral action. They initiated coercive use of force. That's what violence is. You're do doing something with something that you possess, this capacity called force, that you don't have a right to do. So all that matters is whether you're right or wrong, and all that matters is whether you started it. This is, these are concepts that are incredibly difficult for people who have been brainwashed into statism to accept. To know that that is the truth. That all that matters is whether it was initiated and the person initiating it did not have the right to take that action. That's what violence is. That's what violence always is. And it's always wrong. Violence is never right. Force employed to counteract violence is within natural law rights. And that's another hard pill to swallow for most people because they're under deep statist mind control. What they're really under is the abdication of personal responsibility. That's what they're really giving up, their own responsibility to act in harmony with natural law. We're going to do sh a whole show on this next week. Force versus violence. And then the week after that, we're going to do an entire show on the abdication of personal responsibility. What responsibility really is. And how the abdication of that capacity is what is creating the negative effects of the world in which we're living. That's what's coming up on what on earth is happening. So force it's, it's actions which we actually always possess the right to take. And this can include defending oneself against violent action. While violence, we never have the right to take because we never have the right to initiate coercive action against another person so long as they are not harming someone. It's all about whether harm is involved, whether the violation of another natural law of another's natural law rights is involved. Force never violates another's natural law rights, while violence always does. That's why it's called a violation. It's based in violence. We'll explore these ideas in depth on the next edition of What on Earth is Happening. That's all the time we have for this edition, folks. We'll see you next week right here on Oracle Broadcasting. Stick around. Chris Everhard is up next.